Billy Ray was the preacher's son. When his daddy would visit, he'd come along. That's when Billy would take me walking across the bridge to Terabithia. In the backyard, in the shed. We gotta make sure we don't meet the feds. And then we made love. I took my panties off. The only boy who could get the panties was the son of a preacher man. Oh, how I remember the look was in his eyes. I was nine months pregnant on the fly. And time to make time. Get my prenatal care in line. Looking at each other, how much we're growing. The only boy who could ever reach me. The dick slanging son Whoa. of a preacher man. Whoa. Yes, he was. Sorry. Slanging, uh, slanging. Sorry, everyone. Welcome to our 20th um, episode ever of Cake and Kombucha. I thought I would have a special guest, Norma Ray. Uh, sing for us, but she doesn't know the words to the song. Apparently, I don't. That's uh, not uh, the baby. Way let me tell you something. I don't know who you. I don't know who you talking to like that. But first of all, you may call me Miss Ray. I was alive when the song came out, and that's the way it sounded. So I don't. I don't really know what to tell you about that. You really want to sing about the birds and the bees. That's what people. That's what people sing about the birds and the bees. I, I mean, back in my day, the the things on the radio, we didn't have to use. We didn't have to use all these explicit language like y'all use today. We had to, we, you know, we, we could, you could just sound, you know, you just sang sweet like, ooh, 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 I know, no, I'm, I'm sorry, Miss Ray, I'm sorry. I don't want to be disrespectful at all. I'm just saying, I don't think the lyrics are the dick slinging son of a preacher man. And how do you know that? But but Bridget's son got a lot of dick. No, this is not that type of. I'm just this saying. Is not that type about of. I'm just, okay. I'm just saying that Bridget's son got a lot of dick. Now I didn't. I didn't make the rule. I just so happy that usually the preacher's son got a lot of dick. That I don't. Is that something that makes you uncomfortable? Why? Why you a grown woman? Welcome. You you look like Welcome. you need some dick. That's what you look like you need. Okay. All right. Thank you, Miss Ray. That's enough for right now. Um. Welcome to our first ever 20th episode of Cake and Kombucha. I have some special guests lined up. I have some more guests. Um, that was Miss Norma Ray. She is a singer, um, a very respected vocal stylist, as she wanted me to term it. So she might be back with us later, but I'm gonna I'm gonna give her I'm gonna give her some time to Google some lyrics. Um before we continue with that any further. So, um, yeah, let me jump into the rundown for this week. So even though it is a special episode, we have some guests. Um, we're really going to still touch base and clean house on a couple things that we discussed before. Uh, first and foremost, Cardi B. The men who said that she, you know, the guy that came forward and said that she attacked him, he retracted that, which I feel like is, you know, so that whole surviving Cardi B hashtag that started, I mean, honestly, I thought it was a little funnier than like some of the people that I respected. You know, I thought on its own, 
if we are, you know, if it is tongue in cheek, then yes, I thought it was funny. But the sad thing was it appeared not to be tongue in cheek. It appeared to be just people's attempt at false equivalencies of robbery with rape, you know, taking off the R. Kelly thing. And just really, it wasn't so much as a way to, you know, condemn all sexual misconduct. It was just a way to kind of detract from condemnation of R. Kelly. So insincere. And so you know, it's just really, really fitting that the wind got even more taken out of those raggedy little sails. Um, let's see what's next. Oh, ho, ho. Should we get into Papa Biden yet? We gonna wait for that. We gonna wait for that. Um, the next update that I had was just like, was this really an update? I mean, I don't even want to get into it because I am out of my depth. I will admit with this Michael Jackson timeline of stuff, like I already said, that he creeped me out when I was a little kid, even though I would put on recitals and dance to his music, whatever. I knew you weren't supposed to be sleeping in beds with adults that weren't your parents. Um, so like, I just, it never sat right with me as a child. So like I didn't, I don't really have all the like documentation the way some super hard, super diehard fans do. But I do know that the sun and the UK mirror and a lot of other tabloids are now reporting that um, James Safechuck the more like visibly outwardly distraught of the two victims in the documentary leaving Neverland has gotten the timeline wrong of his abuse because of when the toy trains were installed in Michael Jackson's house. Um, as I'm talking, does any of this sound crazy? Like it sounds crazy. So because like the toy that was set in a grown man's house to like lure children like the victim who's a grown man now has forgotten the exact timelines of these things that happened when he was between seven and 14 as now he's like almost 40 or even if when closer to, if he was mixing up some timelines, like he was traumatized. I, I don't want to get into it, but I just have to say this kind of reminds me of the surviving Cardi B hashtag. And that every time someone comes forward with an aha, I'm like, uh-huh. Like, I'm like, oh, this is, this is how we're combating, this is how we're combating this. It's, um, I, I, I'm, I'm underwhelmed. Like, what was the other thing I read that was supposed to like debunk everything? I don't know. Every time something comes out that's supposed to debunk everything, it is based on the idea of traumatized, abused, like, Stockholm syndrome having children, like, being, never wavering from any, like, you know, slight point of contention, like a date or like a time stamp. And it's just like, I'm, I'm severely underwhelmed, but again, I just don't feel the way about it about some people do. So, um, I didn't have that emotional tie as much. Like I was a Stan, but I just, I don't know, maybe my standing is broken. Maybe I'm dead inside. I sometimes wonder like who I have such a emotional attraction to or devotion. Like if Beyonce like cut up people and ate them, I'd probably just be like, it's high protein. So hold me to that, you know, hold me to that. Cause then you could see me act, act, you could see me acting when it comes out that Beyonce did something. Um, and she will be featured. The queen mother will be featured, um, in a later story. Maybe I'll do it now. Let me hit you with a short break and we'll get into the next story, which continues into Beyonce story. This week, Lucy Flores, former Nevada State Assemblywoman and also a 2014 
Nevada lieutenant governor candidate. I don't... Thomas should be here so he can tell us, like, you run for lieutenant governor or... Is that like vice president? I don't know. She published an essay in The Cut about how Joe Biden's unwanted touching changed her view of him. Um, She's one of a handful of women to come forward and say as much. And I'd like to read you an excerpt from her essay because she can tell you better than I can what happened, which is, it seems like a given, but interesting when you think about it. Um, A lot of people don't actually think that about other people's experiences. Here goes. Just before the speeches, we were ushered to the side of the stage where we were lined up by order of introduction. As I was taking deep breaths and preparing myself to make my case to the crowd, I felt two hands on my shoulders. I froze. Why is the vice president of the United States touching me? I felt him get closer to me from behind. He leaned further in and inhaled my hair. I was mortified. I thought to myself, I didn't wash my hair today and the vice president of the United States is smelling it. And also, what an actual fuck? Why is the vice president of the United States smelling my hair? He proceeded to plant a big, slow kiss on the back of my head. My brain couldn't process what was happening. I was embarrassed. I was shocked. I was confused. That was, she was confused. I'm sorry. Um, so... I couldn't do without sound effects. The sound effects are not in the essay. It's not an audio essay. It's just in words on the website, the cut. Um, But yeah, so this is what happened to her. And again, like he's got this reputation for being very handsy with people that even got him the nickname like Creepy Papa Joe or Uncle Joe, Creepy Uncle Joe, which the Fox News and people like that ran with it, which is unfortunate, but you know, we also could like not give them things to run with by not touching people. So there's that. Um, so yeah, the world is now on fire because, you know, hashtag me too has gone too far. One of those useless people on the view, not Whoopi, not Joy Behar. Everyone else is kind of an interchangeable motley crew of clowns. <laughs> there's some people I respect in there sometimes, but there's a lot that I don't. So one of them, the one of them women said, you know, this is what I was afraid of, that, ha- that Me Too would go too far. To which I say, in 2019, not, no, it didn't start in 2019. It started almost 2017 now, when, like, people like Harvey Weinstein are getting taken down. You're finding out that people have dungeon offices and, like, rape rooms and shit. Like, it's like an escape room, but for rape. Like, your first thought was really that you were worried it would go too far? Is that a real... Are you... How do your thoughts work? That's my question. Like, how do they work? That's, that was, it's so great that like people are just not willing to be raped by their employers anymore, but like, I hope it doesn't go too far. So, you know, I just, I don't know. I think you're weird, but anyway, you're not alone in being weird if you think that. So yeah, people's concern is like, me too is going too far. Me too is going too far. Um, and you know, you know, I'm, I'm usually no fucks given about people's reputations and like my whole really, I'm not going to call what's not pedestal. What's the word? High horse. My high horse that I like to, you know, do Olympic routines on is that I kind of don't feel like I do that much stuff that I'm ashamed about, like naked photos. I don't put them on the cloud. I mean, I don't, I feel like, 
my dirt is either hidden properly or like I just act in a way that I'm not ashamed to act in public. So I have a hard time with protecting, you know, the, oh, we can't, you know, someone did this thing to me, but I can't write an essay about it. I mean, I will say that there is perhaps something to be said for using discretion when you're writing a story that like another party might find embarrassing or, you know, might be damaging. Sure. You weigh your options. And I guess the people on the view that are like, but I love Joe Biden feel like they wouldn't, maybe they wouldn't have written it. And that's, that's their prerogative. Um, yeah. So if it's like your friend, consider your words. But this person did consider her words. She was really, really upset about the incident. She was annoyed. She was, she felt like, and, and she's not even saying it was violent or sexual. She's saying that she says, let me read it. Even if his behavior wasn't violent or sexual, it was demeaning and disrespectful. I wasn't attending the rally as his mentee or even his friend. I was there as the most qualified person for the job. So, I mean, yeah, like, what about the world where Me Too could also just not be, like, rape and stuff, but it could be, like, don't treat women like they're little, like, squeeze toys from Lamb Chop's Play Along. I don't know. Like, we're not, like, huggy-buggy, you know, oh, hey, come here, smushy boo Oh, let me just smell your hair. First of all, don't smell my hair. That's weird, okay? I've been having some issues with my Eco Styler gel not mixing well with these other curl products that I've been experimenting with. And so there's been some flaking. I'm not, I'm not excited to report. It's not, my hair is not dirty. I wash like three times this week, which is too much, honestly. It's just flaky. So I don't want you putting your face in my hair. And so some of this is about autonomy over our bodies and just the, the ability to say, I don't like something and have that be respected. And it's, it's really hard. And again, we're having this generational divide, you know, first when the like Aziz Ansari essay came out or the, the girl who wrote about her date with Aziz Ansari, there was this old feminist, young feminist divide again with the old woman just being like, oh, why? Well, how do you get in those situations? When I, when I was a young girl, I just jetpack out of that man's apartment if he tried to roofie me. Like they just were going in with like the... Well, you you know that any time a man, you know, you just you, he's gonna put his hand up your skirt, and that's why you keep a cactus there. Like it was just too much, and so I think we're having that divide again, where you know women keep coming out and saying, like even Nancy Pelosi, like, well, I'm from a different generation, so I don't mind, and it's like you know what, I'm lactose intolerant. I mind whole milk in my coffee. I prefer it be soy milk or oat milk if I'm feeling frisky. So. What's what's the world where we could just be like, I don't like that. You know, we really, it's so radical. It's still radical for a woman to be like, I wouldn't like my body to be touched in this way. It doesn't mean that he's going to jail, which like she has said, it doesn't mean he broke the law. It doesn't even mean he sexually violated her. It's just get out of my face because I am a human being. I'm a dude, uh, like treat me like a dude, you know, that you wouldn't like muss up my hair and cuddle me like a puppy, whatever whatever lens you're looking at it, be it's it's sexist or just, I don't like it. I'm excited for us to get to a place where we can say that. And I think it is still feminist and it is still part of me too, because it's part of ownership of your body. And, you know, so the voices that no one asked for, be it the old ladies talking about, well, I'm from a different generation, so I don't mind. Cool, cool, cool. Keep getting, keep getting massaged. Um, And then the people who embody, you know, all the negative, when people come at white feminists 
and use it as a, if it's a bad word, which is sad because like feminism should never be associated with any bad words. Um, you know, so people like Alyssa Milano, who then got on Twitter to talk about what a great person he is and how she's voting for him. And it's like, if you want to like, okay, offer, offer another perspective. Sure. Offer that this person who rubs people is a, is a really good guy. You can say that. But what I don't like is when people say, he's never done that to me. You know, the, the, the hairdresser who sued, if you guys have been keeping up with Gail's just, ooh, her like long, long list of like interviews about R. Kelly. Um, if you've been keeping up, there was the hair braider, his hair braider who sued him for sexual assault. She braided his hair, braided his hair, had no bad experience with him, was in people's faces saying that he's not us. He is, doesn't sexually assault people. He's a gentleman with me. And, da, da, da. and then one day he did it. And, um, not only did he settle with her for $500,000, he then wrote a song about sexually assaulting her that featured him wearing the braids that she, her signature braiding pattern that was known around Chicago. And then she, she had to get enough more money because she's like, bitch, you just, I settled to not talk about the dirt. And now you're going to sadistically make a song. I'm embarrassed too by this assault, which is what people don't also realized about sexually assault victims settling. She was, some people are like many people are, are ashamed to know what their name out there. So she's like, I agreed to be quiet and I got some restitution in the form of money. Then you make a song about it. You psycho, like, come on. Just giving you another taste of the, you know, is another thing we've talked about on the show. Sorry to go into detail, but so she, you know, I watched her cry and cry and I still, I felt sympathy for her, but I was still irritated. I'm just irritated at the human condition of like not understanding that things that, that didn't happen to you can happen to other people. Like sometimes things happen that didn't happen to you. So she was, you know, I don't like that it has to happen to people before they start feeling empathy and stop like shutting down victims. Like, so yeah, I just want to bring up my favorite teaching tool that I've used in the past that I've created, like Ted Bundy, famous serial killer, but you're still alive, right? So he didn't, so, so it's almost like people who do a thing don't do it to everyone. So yeah. Anyway, yeah, that's pretty much that. I would, I would liken that to like, you know, if we don't want to call it sexual assault or whatever, if it's, you know, I, I would, I would just, I would like us to not be hasty to completely say that it's not something that should be discussed. And I don't like that it's Joe Biden. I do like him, even though I found out recently that he like thought the Civil Rights Act was like too, something really sketchy too soon or something extremely sketchy. And this made me realize how old he is and like I was uncomfortable. However, I mean, I would love her, love for her to not be someone, you know, that I think could have a shot at winning you know, the ticket, but like, I, what are you going to do? We have to have these conversations. We have to have paradigm shifts. That's how in our thinking, and that's how progress is made. So I'm not going to stand in the way of progress. And, you know, you could like akin this to black people having, we've had to campaign to not have our hair randomly touched too. Like it's kind of like part of the personhood respect thing. I mean, whatever. So then go on to the NAACP image awards. Our Omari Hardwick had the nerve to, he he came up to Queen Mother, Beyonce, standing with Jay-Z. They were clapping. Um, and he comes and hugs her and he gives her this old, this tight, he like 
hold her tight. Like they're long lost, like it says long lost, like grandma, auntie, like press full body press hug. Her eyes are closed as she's listening. But even as her eyes are closed, I can see her eyelids fluttering to like, oh, I'm thoughtfully listening to this nonsense that someone is whispering in my ear. Like I see the performance happening. Like then he kisses her twice and he kisses her so the second time was like right close to her mouth. And she looked disgusted afterwards. What? It was so uncomfortable. I just don't get the invasion of personal space. Like you could fully tell from the interaction. They did not have the relationship to be kissing like that. The whole thing was was out of pocket. So the internet is mad at Beyonce being like being harassed like that. And it just, you know, it goes to show like, I don't know if he really wanted to steal a kiss from the queen mother. I mean, I do too, but I'm not going to disrespect her like that. But like she, he just, it was, it was just like the kind of thing that like messes up your makeup even like get out of her space, get out of her hair, get out of her face. What happened to air kisses? Bizu, bizu, bizu. Let's do that. You know, let's do something that doesn't disturb people's whole situation, but it was out of bounds. So just stop all of this. We could just stop all of it and we won't have any more confusing conversations anymore. I mean, I feel like we all in our heart of hearts know what an appropriate touch is like for when you don't know someone and when you do and that cultural norm changes again, like based on the culture you live in, like if you live in a culture where people actually do do the cheat kisses, then that can be the standard that you go by. If, if, you, if everyone does it to each other, no, despite status, despite power relationship, gender, whatever, like fine, we have context, but I think we, we know in America, like you're not just supposed to go plant someone on someone and that's just not what we do. So I, I don't, I also don't like the idea of like teaching grown men, you know, common sense and manners who, cause I kind of feel like sometimes they're, you're playing games. Like you do know what's appropriate and what's not. You just want to see what you can do. Oh no. Anyway, I mean, how embarrassing for him. Good luck. This week, Cake and Kombucha is sponsored by Lily. Are you a living woman? Not to discriminate against zombie women, but I mean, are you alive? If you are, then you probably have veins and blood, organs, fat cells, and skin cells that cover those organs and protect them. Gross. Get rid of it. We know that in 2019, there are so many disgusting things about being born female the way God intended for you to be, and you're sick of slick marketing telling you so. So we created Lily. Lily is a brand by women and for women. We know what women need. We know how much women hate themselves, only slightly more than society does, and we're here to help. Our carefully crafted selection of grooming products will attack the core of what's natural and useful on your body and improve icky things like pubic hair, leg hair, underarm hair, eyebrow hair, having a face, having pores, having lips that are skin colored. That's nasty. We have organic makeup made of coconut oil and other products with no preservatives that will melt right off your crater face. They're also mostly clear and don't do anything, but you'll feel prettier knowing that you tried to address your ugliness with products that binders of women made in a lab. We have natural deodorant for your hoo-ha, also made of coconut oil and shea butter. We know the vagina is a self-cleaning organ, but we also know that sometimes she likes to have a wine time and turn it up. Slap that bitch into place with feminist love and care and extra shit you don't need. Lily. 
Stop letting companies run by out-of-touch men tell you you're not good enough the way you are. Let Lily do it instead. With a woman's touch. Fatty. Hey, hey, and we're back. Um, Before I introduce our special guest that we have for episode 20, I wanted to go over just some Donald Trump nonsense. Um, Obviously, that could fill an entire podcast, but as you probably know, this week he was tantruming and threatening to have the U.S. border to Mexico closed. Um, There are, in fact, an increased number of not Mexicans seeking to make an honest living, but even worse, Central Americans legally seeking asylum approaching the border. Um, this number is still nowhere near. The number of people you know, coming to the border is nowhere near it was in the early 2000s, but for racist people, it constitutes an emergency right now. Um, so, of course, the only option left in response to the suffering of others would be the, the natural one, to threaten to shut down the border to Mexico. So this would be catastrophic, and um, Trump has doubled down. He's stated that he doesn't care if it damages the economy as long as it improves security. Um, Wow, this places him in the side of the new wave of Republican that hate brown and black people even more than they love money. But uh, to be clear, this, you know, the issue is that by law, the asylum seekers actually can't be deported. So, you know it's actually kind of a bind because you can't just callously send them away under the guidance of the law. Um, Because of course, you know, give us your tired, your poor, blah, blah, blah. Give us your white. That's, I guess that's what, that's what the Statue of Liberty really, that's what Lady Liberty meant. Um, But yeah, Trump's friends are actually saying, Hey, cut the shit. Like Mitch McConnell has stated it would be disastrous. What I really, you know, he's got many economic advisors saying that it would put both us and Mexico in a recession. But honestly, part of me when I first heard it was like, just do it. What I really want him to do is like shut down the board. I mean, I hope I just wanted it to mean that we can't have any tourism there either. So that when everybody has their cruise tickets and their Cabo San Lucas tickets, like, just made use moot and useless and they've wasted all the money they've invested in their vacations, maybe they'll stop being so shitty about immigration. Like other countries do have stuff that we want. And like, sometimes you have to have a good relationship with them. Sometimes the people immigrate to your country. Like, I don't know what to tell you. There's a contingent of people in the United States that feel really, 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 really strongly about avocados. Okay like more strongly than anyone from any tropical place I've ever seen. Some of those people are millennials. And I'm going to say the rest of them are white. I'm not sure. I'm going to ask a white friend to confirm. But I feel like a lot of Donald Trump's constituents would be really hurting, especially the ones who like live in Texas. And if, if they don't have avocados, I don't know how people are going to get through life. So I feel like he's actually about to cut off his nose to spite his face. I never liked that expression. I understand what it means. It makes sense. I think it just confused me as a kid. But yeah, that's our that's our White House report for this week. Okay, Us. It's the movie everyone's talking about. I loved it. I loved seeing Jordan Peele like have this big budget, this glossy big budget like horror flick. Um, I love horror. It's my one of my favorite genres, especially to see in theaters. I just like, I've always been that way. I like creepy things, you know, scary stories, 
you know, a member of the Midnight Society, like all that stuff. Um, Excuse me. But I read this um, New Yorker review that I thought was going so well. Like they really, really thought it was a cinematic achievement of significance, like visually, like just so many things that I agreed with. And then I was just, it stopped me in my tracks. I was horrified. Shoot. Okay. I had to look up the author of the article, this critic, Richard Brody. We went to the same school, but he went like 50 years before me, which is perhaps explains this really out of touch segment that just stopped me in my tracks. Um, Let me find it. Do a little search. Sorry to bother you. Uh, Okay. So, he says um, about the family, uh, the protagonist in the movie, the Wilsons are black, a fact that, as depicted, has little overt effect on their lives. Avoiding the stereotypes of black Americans in movies, Peel instead knowingly depicts them as a stereotype of a financially successful, socially stable, and cinematically average American family. Could have left it there, but I knew that he wouldn't. As I was reading my stomach, I just got so uncomfortable because I was like, he's going to keep going and he's going to say something that's going to piss me off. And he did. He said, it's as though they naturally and unintentionally use what Boots Riley's film, Sorry to Bother You, would call their white voice. The voice of white dominated corporate prosperity. No, that's not like that. It, it actually is not like that at all. So for those of you who haven't seen Sorry to Bother You, it's a hilarious satire on like corporate America and so many things. And they have this thing where the people in the movie work in a call center and like to make a lot of money, you have to use your white voice. The white voice is this exaggerated, like sped up on a computer, like not a real person's voice. It's like, hello, Dad. Hello. Hey, what's going on? And you're just rocking and rolling, rolling and rocking. It's like, it's like way over the top to anyone that has ears. And like, it was a joke about code switching, but I don't, the joke was not to juxtapose that like, Usually black people just be talking like this. You know, that's the only other option. That wasn't the, that wasn't the point. The point was just, I feel like to you in context, it was funny and it was exaggerated. And it was also like a metaphor for other types of code switching. But like, I'm feel really hurt in my heart that this poor, 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 uh, film critic who has no real black acquaintances apparently think that like either black people are like putting on their white voice or they talk like, I don't know, like step and fetch it or something. Like no one in the movie, those actors whom I, one of them I'm friends with and the other one uh, have met several times and produced a play that I was in. Like they both sound like that. They're not putting on a white voice. And the thing that was lovely about us is that the family, you know, the thing that's lovely about the movements that are happening right now on screen and on TV are that we are getting to see minority actors. Well, in like what, 10 years, it's going to be a minority majority country, but we're getting to see actors of color, Latinos, Asians, black people tell their own stories and just exist. And yes, part of our own stories will, they're self-referential to our own blackness, our own otherness in a way that is unusual to white people because they don't have to think about being white as much. When you are the dominant culture, I say with heavy quotations, because we know how much dominant culture takes from, steals, borrows, admires, from the violent to the loving exchange, 
with, you know, all the other cultures, but like when you are the dominant culture, you don't think about it as much. So if you hang around, you know, black people, you're going to hear them talk about black shit, but you're also going to hear them not talk about black shit. So my point is that I was really bothered that, no, I'm getting off track by being angry. Let me circle back. So my point was that like, I just loved watching this family represent the average American family. But to me, as some people, as someone that knows like, you know, middle-class black people or black people that can go on a, go on vacation or whatever. Like they didn't seem weird to me. You know, Winston is wearing a Howard university shirt. Like I feel like Jordan Peele placed them in a world of people who went to Howard. Maybe she went to Clark Atlanta. Me like whatever, like he, well, I mean, I don't know when I'm going to be afford, be able to afford a vacation house. Cause I am an actor, but that's a totally different, that's not, we're not here to work on my issues, but the point was just like, it was grounded in reality. And it was really crazy that this guy didn't know the reality and had to liken it to a science fiction movie, which is what Sorry to Bother You was, with this over, over the top, you know, no one was using a fake voice, you fool. Like, I just, that was really offensive to me. So, I, I and I think it's just so interesting that your job is to you know, look at things with depth and to study things, but it's, it really makes you think like, wow, if you really live this life of the mind where you only know black people from movies, then maybe you really are like, oh, they either talk like this movie or they talk like that movie and they weren't talking like this. So they were pretending to be that like, you're such obviously like a smart and accomplished person with this huge repertoire of critical thinking behind you, but you, that's, how you had to reduce these people. You had to like find a way to ground them that made sense for you because you just couldn't understand why there was just like a black family walking around living their lives. Like you with, you know, two parent home, like you saw it, but you didn't believe it. And you were like, it's a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. No, it's not. Stop being crazy. This week, the podcast is also sponsored by box. Do you want to receive things in the mail? Do you pretty much have everything you need already and live a life rich in material goods? Do you have no real need for a stranger who doesn't know you to curate a box of miniature versions of things you'd most likely use full-size versions of? Do you just want to feel relevant? You need a monthly subscription to Box. This highly nonspecific random box will come to your home or office once a month. It's of the highest quality cardboard craftsmanship and has a punchy label. Everyone will be jealous you have the disposable income and common sense to subscribe to a heavy box. What's inside? Doesn't matter. But now you have a box. Isn't life better when you have a box to look forward to? Um, now it's time to introduce our special guest, Leslie Stone, founder of Boxapos, which is actually the parent company to Box, uh, whose commercial you just heard. Leslie Stone was embroiled in a scandal earlier this year when it was found that her revolutionary technology um, boxes that could contain eight times their actual physical volume, the technology was just, well, a box of lies. <laughs> The technology doesn't exist, and the boxes were actually empty. You might have watched the HBO documentary, The Box Cutter, out for subscriptions in your mailbox, which aired um, in March, actually. Um, So let's get started. Hello, Leslie. Greetings, Miss AZA. It's a pleasure to be here. (laughs) That's so formal. You don't have to call me Miss AZA. 
We are casual here on CNK. So let's dive right in. I'd like to go back to the beginning. Um, okay. When you first had the idea for your parent company. And you dropped out of Montessori school to begin. Well, um, I was in kindergarten in Montessori school, and I, I re- remember very vividly, I had just learned what a square was. And then I learned that there was a better, well, a more dimensional way to make a square with three dimensions, a cube. And then, you know, what if, I thought, what if that cube was made out of cardboard and then you could fold it up? And what if this folded up cardboard cube could hold things. This would change the scope of humanity. I mean, this would... This would be like Prometheus inventing fire, which was... still is, but was one of my favorite Greek myths as a kindergartner. Fascinating. Okay, so take me to second grade when you had your first million-dollar investor... Yes, yes. Um, from Big Bird. Um, well, the actor who played Big Bird on Sesame Street, a virtuosic performance um, that really had an impact on my life, Carol Spinney. Um, he was a mentor to me, and he told me that what I had done in you know six years of being alive was more than what some people accomplish in their entire lives you know it's what nobel prize winners work towards so he he told me you need to drop out immediately and um that's how i you know decided to drop out of montessori school to to fund and to found my company Right. Fascinating. And then you went public, becoming the youngest baby to have a company uh, publicly traded on the New York Stock Exchange. Um, So tell me, what do you think made Big Bird and then other investors like the Sultan of Brunei, who's also under fire this week, invest in you? I mean, no shade at all, but I've seen the footage and you seem like a regular seven-year-old who, well... Aside from your celebrity influence, you made some very strong fashion choices, signature, big red glasses, red hair. (laughs) I mean, it's no secret. Everyone who knows me, I I feel it's really important to have vision in your leadership. And I have chosen always to model myself and the way I run my business uh, with integrity. uh, I I model everything I do after Sally, Jesse, Raphael. You know, when I'm waking up in the morning and I have to pick something, Sally would streamline things and say, if I have 10 pairs of glasses here, what color am I going to put on? I'm going to put on red. And I also choose to, I mean, I eat foods that are only red, uh, persimmons, pomegranates, apples, uh, red hots, and raw steak. Okay, so let's catch us up to the present. 
what happened? You developed Box, a subsidiary of Boxapos, which had a valuation of $2 billion. So you 70 million subscribers worldwide. But right before the launch, it people found out that there was nothing. The boxes were empty. Yes, it did look that way. I mean, I'm not sure what that means, that it looks that way. What was was it that way? Um, due to legal proceedings, my, I'm actually not able to, I am not permitted to discuss this. You can't this. tell us what's inside the boxes? No, I never said that I could not tell you what's inside the boxes. I, I can tell you what's inside. Actually, I can. What's inside of the boxes, the hopes and dreams of Americans, the hope for a better future, um, a sense of style and swag that's masculine or gender non-conforming, depending on the month and what kind of subscription you chose, um, sexiness, sweet smells, uh, dinner, perhaps with an Asian flair, uh, relevant to the, the per- relevance. Relevance is what we were selling and giving you inside of those boxes a doorbell to ring something to look forward to and i believe that it was a service uh, that people need and that people um continue to need okay all of those things sound empty you were shipping empty boxes to no be- no excuse me excuse me miss Azrie, but no all of those things were full Actually, those things were folded so incredibly small. I mean, all of those things. Can you imagine the scope and the range of hope? Do you know how much hope weighs? So imagine that fitting inside of a box. It's actually incredible that any box could hold them. And I just think that what we did, I I, I don't have any other way to put it ex- except that I'm proud. So of even what though we you might be going to jail for fraud, you're still ex- you're still proud of what I you am not in jail. I walked my dog today. Sadie comes with me everywhere. I went to Whole Foods. I am living a normal life, and my fiance is here. Uh, he's waiting outside the studio for me. So I jail is not something that I am receptive to i don't think that's up to you um yeah i don't know i don't anyway well i'm not sure if we're getting any clarity out of this interview so i don't know if we i mean do you have anything that you else you would like to add um just no just thank you for having me and um i think you're a brave woman for uh you know, staring into the face of genius, like it's like Prometheus. It's it's actually like Icarus when he flew so close to the sun. Wow. Okay. More Greek mythology. Well, thank you, Leslie. Until thank you. Oh Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? My friends lost their virginity in one, and I can't make amends. Oh, Lord, my high man, my pesky, oh, okay. pesky high man. Oh, no. It's still no, no, no. We can't. 
I'm this is a very sex positive place, but I don't that's just also disrespectful to the song. Yeah, I tell you right now. I don't understand what your problem is with experimenting with different kinds of sex what else. It's Miss Ray. Sorry. Like sorry. Are there any words are there any songs that you know the words to as as they were written, like by the person that wrote the song? No. Okay. I think that's our show, everybody. Thank you so much for sticking with us for the 20th ever and the only 20th ever. The 20th, the first and the last 20th episode of Cake and Kombucha. I didn't explain what the show usually is. It's a politics, pop culture, redux. Um, We talk about the cake part, which is the sweetness, the fluff, the you know, social media, the memes, the nonsense. And then we talk about the kombucha, which are more serious topics. Um, Sometimes we have guests. We've never had guests like we did today. So a big thank you to Miss Norma Ray, the vocal stylist, and to Leslie Stone, founder of Box of Paws. Please, please, if you like what you hear, find us on Apple and subscribe and leave a review so I know what you like what you want to hear more of and I can count all five of you five listeners just kidding um please and we're also on Spotify and SoundCloud as well Cake and Kombucha is produced by Kalechi AZA it features music by Melanie J.B. Charles if you like what you hear look her up on Spotify or hit MelanieJBCharles.com online to go to her website and find out about her touring dates and her live performances in New York. Ta-ta for now.